Welcome to Hub City Homers. We are back after another Texas Tech win. This one far more convincing than the last. Quite a slow start to that game, though. Kind of worrying, but Tech does recover in the second quarter, dominates FIU, and comes out of the non-conference slate, as we all were hoping, undefeated at 3-0. We are now heading into the Texas hate week, as I am now referring to it. Um, We have a big one this Saturday. You know, there are a lot of games you circle on your calendar, you star on your calendar, no matter the record of Tech. This is probably one for most Tech fans that they've got circled. We have the Texas Longhorns coming up on Saturday at 11 a.m. on ABC. we got an early game. Get rise and shine and get ready to beat Texas. We're going to start recapping. We're going to start by recapping FIU, excuse me. Uh, we're going to go over what Tech did better that allowed them to kind of get some separation in this game. You know, we're going to get into the slow starts, talk about the defense, the offense, the whole nine. Then we're going to pivot to talking about Texas, give a general overview of the Longhorns, what Tech needs to do to attack, and how Tech can get the W in Austin. Um, I'm joined by Jack Bell. Kendall is actually having some Wi-Fi problems as we're recording this. I'm going to try to get him in with a little blurb here at the end to give his thoughts. So stay tuned after the end of the episode. You'll probably hear some words from Kendall if his Wi-Fi is cooperating. But if it isn't, it's just me and Jack. So get ready for a two-man podcast. We're going to start off, like I said, with the recap. You know, Tech really needed to make a statement on Saturday night after a very, very, very disappointing showing against SFA, one of the worst played football games Tech has had under Matt Wells. They come out, and it's not much better to start the game. Um, FIU maintains a lead for most of the first quarter. It's not looking like we're going to see anything different than last Saturday. Jack, you know, you're looking at the slow starts. It's starting to become a trend under Matt Wells. It's, in fact, I would say it is a trend. You know, it's three games in a row that you've been thoroughly outplayed to start the game. What do you believe is the root cause of Tech's inability to start games fast? You know, it's kind of tough to say. I mean, we were always so used to back in the day being, uh, you know, coming out and it just reminds me, I feel like I'm a broken record sometimes on here because I'm always talking about, oh, you know, the leech years, da, da, da. But the leech years, we always would get the ball. Uh, you would win the toss, and you wouldn't defer, you wouldn't kick, you would receive, because we were going to go down and score. Uh, it's completely different under Matt Wells, and it's very worrisome, to say the least. Slow starts can really, I mean, obviously put you in a hole. You can be, you know, you can be down by 14 in the blink of an eye. And that's not anywhere you want to be against a big 12 opponent. The first thing that you obviously look at would be at the coaching staff. Why can't you get your guys up to start this game? What is it going to take for this team to be juiced, you know, be ready, be psyched to be out there and be on the field for a game. It's, it's very strange to me that, a team with this sort of uh, experience is having trouble getting up for games with all the combined starts that they have amongst them. Uh, The defense to me doesn't really have this issue as much as the offense. Um, The offense just kind of, it's like they need to warm up and I'm like, and it's, do you, are you thinking, you know, you need to go through warmups a little harder. You need to get out there a little earlier, get the juices fun. I just don't know what it could be. Um, you know, it's, it's very, it's a very precarious situation, but this team needs to figure that out because if it continues the way it's going, uh, they could, they could be in for a rude awakening against a decent big 12 opponent. So I got some flack on Twitter of talking about the slow starts, by the way, guys, I am the easiest person on Twitter to old takes expose, you know, especially when I live tweet. I don't know how many times, I I guess I need to staple this to my forehead and then take a picture of that and post it on Twitter. But when I live tweet, it is always, always, always as a fan reacting to the games as they come, which means I ride with the highs and lows. I don't, I don't know what part of that drives people nuts, but there's just people who don't get that. Um, but the problem is, is that tech fans either want you to be overwhelmingly positive 
or overwhelmingly negative. And they don't like anything in between. So when I tweet that Matt Wells is has a problem with the slow starts, and I've got questions about his ability to you know make himself uh, feel as a presence in the locker room. I'm at the end of the game, you win big, you got people tweeting at me. I still have the same problem. You know, um, it's just a reality that there are certain things in football that a head coach can't control. You can't control if you're at a program that's disadvantaged facilities and talent wise. You know, if you, if you, for instance, you're the head coach of Stephen F. Austin, you can't control that that is a bad program. You know, you're going to have to build that thing from the ground up. You can't control that you're fundamentally disadvantaged. But what you can control is motivating your guys to play at 100% for every opponent. And Tech has historically, you know, at least under Matt Wells, I think Kingsbury had similar problems, but Matt Wells really has this problem, has not played well against bad teams. And that, to me, is on the head coach. You know, like, it. why does why can't Matt Wells put away Kansas? Because it's, it's like, we're not good enough to do this, and that's what's really infuriating. We haven't been good enough under Wells to do this. But it's like they think that they're too good for these games. You know, um, all the Kansas games have been close. Baylor was horrible last season. That's another close one. Um, Baylor the year before that was not very good. That's another really close game. You lost one, won the other. Uh, This year, in all three games, it took getting punched in the mouth before the team even started to show a pulse. Get Stephen F. Austin, they never did. That wasn't even a trap game. You know, you can't say you were looking ahead to FIU. No one was. At least with Houston, you could argue it was just start of the year jitters for a team of transfers. But the fact that it keeps happening to me is a big problem. You know, I I, I don't know if it's a lack of preparation. I tend to think that there's some of that in there that we don't prepare very well. Far too often, it looks like we're abandoning the entire script after the first quarter. And that's great. It, it, one of the things Matt Wells didn't do in the first two years of his tenure was adjust to what was happening in games. So, you know, great that he's learning that, but it's a problem if you always look like you're in panic mode after the first quarter. You will get boat raced by Texas if you start like you did against FIU. If you go out there and you mess around for a quarter, they'll be up 21 nothing, and they'll never look back. You know, it's not Houston. You cannot overcome these deficits just on pure talent. You are not more talented than almost anybody in the Big 12. You know, and it that has to stop. Uh, it, it is the biggest thing that has held Tack back under Matt Wells is you don't show up for parts of games, they get thumped. I mean, it just... The games that Tech has played complete in the Matt Wells eras have largely been the games that Matt Wells has won. You know, and that's true of almost every team, but what I mean by that is that it hasn't mattered necessarily that, uh, uh, you know, you you start slow against some of these just really awful teams. You know, you slapped around, had near misses, and whatever. But against, like, for instance, a couple years ago, you had the OSU win. Um, uh, uh, the West, the West Virginia game. Yeah, West Virginia. These games that you've started strong and kept on the gas. A great example of, of the opposite problem is like, for instance, Oklahoma last year. Um, you know where you just fall apart in the middle of the game. There, are, it just feels like for two. There are too many moments in the Matt Wills era, mostly at the start of games, where we just don't look prepared. Where some the team does the opposing team does something a little different than we were expecting, and they don't have an answer. Uh, fortunately this year, I think you have some talent, you know, to account for that. I think Houston's a great example of this. You, you weren't able to rely on whatever scouting you did. It was clear that the game plan wasn't working. So Patterson and Cumbie both made an audible. They changed how they were going to attack Houston and the talent responded. Um, it didn't really do that against SFA, but FIU same way. FIU watched a ton of tape and was ready for how Cumbie wanted to attack. You know, we wanted to attack a certain way. FIU was all over it. So Cumbie opened up the playbook a little more. He leaned on the ground game to set up the pass, and we rolled him. So, you know, it is fixable. It's just one of the reasons I have questions about Matt Wells and, uh, over the long haul is stuff like this. And I'm really hopeful against Texas we see him, you know, with a team that's really motivated to play. You know, if you come out and lay an egg in the first quarter against Texas in Austin, undefeated, you know, then there you 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 have a whole other problem regarding motivation. You know, there's no excuse for this game um, to not come out and play 100. percent And you know, this is probably the most net the most critical take I have of Matt Wells is this thing. I know people want me to be 
you know, like I said, either overwhelmingly negative or overwhelmingly positive, but too bad, you're going to get a bit of both. So we're going to move off of the bad, and we're going to move on to the good. There was a lot of good in the FIU game. Um, obviously, the final score was fantastic, but the, for the first time in a long time, it felt like Tech could drive the ball consistently. Part of the biggest reason why, the offensive line play. So, Jack, you look at the offensive line, it's been much maligned for good reason. They have not performed well. It is one of the most veteran groups. You look at what happened in this game. Do you think this was the the offensive line turning a corner and we're going to see some more competent pass sets? Or was FIU just really that bad and there's not much to read into here? Unfortunately, I don't have the answer to your question. Uh, You know, the very over positive part of me wants to say that they are turning a corner and they finally have found their gel and they're meshing and it's time to go. The realist part of me wants to say that may be true, but Florida international is just really bad. Uh, they, they really had no path. They really had no presence in the backfield all game. Uh, regardless of dropbacks or rushing, uh, there it's just it was a really bad defense uh, to go against, which is kind of almost what the doctor ordered, in my opinion. Uh, the the O line did play great; they really didn't let Shuck get hammered hardly at all. Um, they gave him time to progress through reads, which is very nice. It shows up in the uh, receiving stats. Uh, it's really, it's really funny because you see everyone in the, through the first two games, and even us on here, and I was one of those people, said, you have to have other people step up. Why are you only throwing to Ezukama? And then they're, they finally do that. They get away from Ezukama, and you know these other guys go off for big games, like Kalen Geiger had his coming out party finally. Mason Tharp got his long-anticipated first touchdown at the D1 level. Uh, Rigdon had that one long bomb. Coons had two touchdowns on the same play, just going different directions. Uh, and then you have those same people that were saying, you know, why is he only throwing to Ezukama? Saying, why isn't he throwing to Ezukama? What's wrong with him? Why isn't he throwing to his way? So, and that's the problem. Like you said, tech fans, a lot of people either want you to be overly positive or overly negative. And those, there are those people that are always going to be lurking. You know, he's throwing too much to Ezukama, or he's not throwing enough to Ezukama. Those people can never be, you know, satisfied. Those people will never be satisfied with whatever happens on the field. But regardless, the O-line let him progress through reads, which is very nice to see. It's very nice to see some other receivers get on the field and get in the, get in the stat sheet. Uh, Trey Cleveland had a great touchdown catch. Uh, you know, you saw Travis Koontz have six catches with two touchdowns down down there along the red zone or in the red zone. You had Mason Tharp ball out. He had three catches for 61 yards. Uh, and, of course, Kalen Geiger. Kalen Geiger, you know, he balled out six catches, 121 yards, average of 20.2 yards a catch. But again, none of this happens without Shuck having time back there in the backfield. And so, you know, I think this coming weekend against Texas, you'll see, you'll get your answer to that question. Has this offensive line turned a corner or was Florida International just really bad? And uh, we'll find out in about four or five days. Florida International, to me, how, how I'm grading the offensive line is... Florida National is a worse defensive line than Houston. I, I think that's a fair assumption to make. I think Florida International has to be at least to some degree better than SFA. You know, they probably would have beaten SFA. So when, I, when I'm reviewing the offensive line, I think if nothing else, week to week, which is how I really like to evaluate, you know, team improvement, you look week to week. It's hard to look over, you know, beginning of the season to end. None of that's super relevant. But week to week, with one week's notice, they went from being completely miserable against inferior competition to looking really good. You know, this is what they should have looked like last week. They were comfortable. They were in control. They communicated well. Is that going to hold up against a 
far, far more talented Texas defensive line. It's not really relevant. I, I fully am. I'm on board. Anybody who's negative about the offensive line is is going to yell is going to yell about that. And you're completely right. We're actually going to learn what this team, this offensive line, is about against Texas. You're 100 correct. It's not really relevant what they did against FIU compared looking at Texas, but it should be at least heartening to see an offensive line, you know, get better. Um, you just want them to get better every week. They were up against arguably slightly better competition and went from Shuck basically running for his damn life to Shuck looking like he could take a nap in the backfield more often than not. Um, I want to give a couple credit when talking about pass protection. The Mason Tharp touchdown, by the way, that is the single greatest uh, pass block I've ever seen by a running back. And that, that that's a big shout-out to my guy, Sir Roger Thompson. He comes back. He only gets a couple of touches. He He's looking a little iffy during this game. You know, he's clearly not comfortable yet. But he gets called. He gets his name called in this little – the new default is to call everything in RPO. It looks like a regular tight end play action to me. But he makes a hell of a block and really takes – takes a wallop from a from a guy coming up the middle to allow Shuck to even have a chance to make that throw. Tharp then makes an extremely acrobat, acrobatic catch, turning, getting around as a big guy. Quite difficult to do. But that's set up by Sir Roderick taking taking a hit for the team and just getting eaten on that play. So big shout-out to him as well. Uh, glad to have him back. When I look at the offense as a whole, it definitely seems like at least as far as we can tell, that this was the first game you saw more of the playbook. Um, I think it's kind of apparent that for the last couple of weeks, you, you've had some stuff in your back pocket you weren't really breaking out. Um, and I think Cumbies now realized, because like I said earlier, SFA or, you know SFA gave everybody a lot of film on how to attack Tech's offense. You know, take, take, away, take away the underneath stuff, let them get you over the top when they can get the ball off, and bring pressure. That seemed to be everybody's formula. And Tech responded this week by saying, all right, you know, you're going to try to blitz all the time. It doesn't matter. We're going to run it down your throat until you're forced to just stack the box and we get favorable matchups on the corner. And then we're going to take some quick underneath throws when our guys just can get separation. Um, you saw also some misdirection, a lot of play action, um, a lot of use of the tight ends, get a couple big bodies and Koontz and Tharp who can get open in the middle. So I think that you started to see what is going to become these offense against FIU. And it's pretty good. I, I have no complaints. I think I think Cumbie listens to the pod because last week I was begging for some play action throws to, to, to some tight ends. So uh, glad I could do my uh, thank you for your service. Uh, yeah, you know if if if, if uh, you know coaching staff of Tech is taking notes, you know um, we're we're always available. There are people asking me why don't I just go coach if I know everything. You offer me a, a hundred fifty thousand, I'll be a special assistant. Yeah, you know I'll, I'll love to get paid to give advice. Uh, but yeah, if if you if you do remember, this was Jack's thing. Is he? We all. I kept asking him, you know, who's going to be the guy that has to step up to to open up this this passing game? And the answer he gave was the tight ends. And you know, Geiger had a great game, but the tight ends recorded, I believe, three touchdowns in this game and a whole bunch of yards and targets. So they're they're going to be an integral part in this attack, um, especially Mason Tharp. By the way, guys, I think everybody's underrating him because he's a freshman and he does look a little shaky. He's massive. I was on the field uh, before the Houston game, just walking around. He was running by with Koontz. He makes Koontz look like a dwarf. I mean, he is like it. It's it's like Gandalf the Gray standing next to the hobbits when anybody stands around him. Yeah, it, the kid is the kid is massive. I mean, like he is underestimated at six nine. You know, like that's an understatement. He's a big, big dude. So if he figures it out. Um, you know, Charlie Kohler at Iowa State's made a living as like a premier big boy tight end. If Mason Thart figures it out, he will be a first round draft pick. Um, that he moves well. He just it looks like he needs some time in a college weight room to add a little bit more uh, uh, oomph to the to the blocking part of the assignment and figure out a little bit more how to run his routes. But guys, he he has more potential than almost any tech player I've ever seen. You know, Tyler Shuck is a projected first round draft pick. If everything pans out, hopefully he can get there. Mason Tharp's the guy I'm the highest on this offense long term. In a couple of years, he's going to be a superstar. But talking about specifically the, the running backs now, you are, I guess, back to full health. You know, Sir Roderick, like I said, was a little, little iffy in this game. He didn't look fully comfortable, but he is back, and I expect he'll look a lot better against Texas. Um, you're trying to evaluate the backs so far. Brooks has been phenomenal. Xavier White, 
has been okay. He had a pretty good game against SFA, but he's been pretty quiet. Um, Townsend hasn't really been involved at all. Uh, you know, he got some more touches late in this game, which was great to see. And he, he did make the most of them. But you're looking at the running backs. You've got Brooks and Thompson at the top of the order. And the question becomes, you got those two guys. Who are you feeding right now? You know, if, if, you're, if you're the head coaching staff and you're Sonny Cumbie and you're meeting with Matt Wells and you're trying to decide, you know, who's going to be our, pri- our feature back? Do you go back to Thompson and hope he returns to form or you just keep riding the hot hand for Brooks? I think you kind of have to go with both. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to sit here from where we are, obviously, and say, you know, Thompson's back, okay, everything's back to normal. You know, feed him feed him the ball 25 times. And obviously that's not going to happen. Uh, he did look a little shaky, but you know, he did get in the he did get in the end zone once. Uh, threw a couple of good blocks as you mentioned. Brooks has been a very has been a more than sufficient replacement in the time that Thompson's been down, and uh, I think I think you kind of need to reward that. I think you you split them pretty evenly uh, this week in Austin. I almost want to say you lean closer to sixty to sixty five percent Brooks, and get a lot of it will kind of hinge on you get Thompson out there pregame and see how he's feeling. If Sir Roderick's out there and he's feeling back to his old self and, you know, all of a sudden he looks like he's comfortable and he's downfield against the, that UT defense, which is atrocious on multiple accounts. Uh, I think you forgive it both to him. I, I still like the game plan of, handing them both the ball and, you know, and saying, you know what, you think that you have such a good run defense, prove it, stop us. Then we're going to keep feeding the ball and set up the play action to those tight ends. Obviously you're going to get your targets in for Ezekama and Geiger, but I still like the, I kind of like this refreshing change of, you know, pounding the ball on the ground, make them stop you. These two running back or we all know how good Sir Roderick is. But Taj Brooks has been a pleasant surprise to me this year. We all kind of knew he had it in him, but I really didn't expect him to show out as much as he has. That that Houston game was something, and he he really played all right against SFA too. So it's been refreshing to see Tech being effective on the ground again. It's been a long time since we have seen that, and to be true, and when I say effective, I mean truly effective. Uh, you know. Taj Brooks had 100 yards in the first two games. He only had 47 this past week, but he led all rushers with 47 yards. And a lot of that is because this game, you could finally open up on the passing side of things. You know, Shuck had pretty much 400 yards passing. So I think in all reality, you you lean on both. Uh, you lean on Sir a little more when you need some experience. But for right now, explosiveness-wise, Taj Brooks is doing just fine. He's been more than a sufficient replacement. So I think you kind of go both. I'm looking probably at 60-40, maybe 65-35, but I'd put my money on closer to 60-40, probably with Brooks getting more of the brunt of the carries just because they want Thompson to be there for the rest of the season. Texas has made a name for itself the last two years. Um running the ball. Most of their best plays have been Bijan Robinson. Um, Sam Ellinger was not great last year, so I stand by that. Um, for those of you saying, well, what about Ellinger? I, mean, he, he, I still think Bijan Robinson was the best player in that in that backfield for the last two seasons. If I, Tom Herman knows how to call a run play, he still has his job. Yeah, 100%. If you hand the ball off to Bijan Robinson 25 times a game, which is what Herman should have done, Texas wins 10 games and Herman still has a job. You know, well, excuse me, COVID shortened year, so not 10 games, but he he probably drops like one and he still has a job. Um, so B. John Robinson is a phenomenal back. However, the best backfield tomorrow night in terms of running backs will, or Saturday night, excuse me, will be Tex. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that Tech has the best stable of running backs in the conference and maybe in the nation. Um, there, There's going to be some people who dispute that. Um, they can fight me on that one. You know, you're, you're, let's, let's put it this way. Your third string running back coming into this year 
has multiple 100-yard games. Um, as a stable, you've never gone under 100. And the only thing holding back the running backs has just been we didn't call that many run plays. You know, like even even against SFA, so or excuse me, against FIU. So let's 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 look this up real quick. Um, while I'm doing that, I want to keep it with my thought. We'll get to the question, which was, um, who gets the majority of the carries? I think you go with Brooks. I think that you know you ride hot hand until you have a reason not to. Um, and then one well, of the things about me, having let me let me get in here right quick. You want to talk about uh, split down the middle? You have. 37 passes and 37 rushes as a team for Texas Tech on offense. You have 37 dropbacks from the quarterbacks and you have 37 carries. Yeah, and to me that that's all of the starting running backs besides Thompson averaged over 5 a carry. You know, Brooks only touched the ball 9 times. White touched it 7. Sarajic only touched it 4 coming back from injury. Um you know, we're not using the best part of our offense yet, and we didn't really have to, because I think that the idea for Cumbie is you use those guys to set up the pass. But for the Texas game in particular, well, let me give you guys a stat. Um, Texas's defense against Arkansas, you know, they come in there heavy favorites. Nobody thought Arkansas was going to be competitive in this game. Um, you know, most people probably would think Texas wins this game 14 going away. Obviously, they get blown out. Here's the stat that everybody needs to think about. They gave up 333 rushing yards to Arkansas. Arkansas is admittedly a very run-dominant team. But 330 yards means Arkansas effectively faced no resistance running the ball. You know, it's it, they're averaging every single person but one averaged over six yards a carry. All of their guys who touched the ball, but one had a run of over 15 yards. Texas's run defense is embarrassingly bad. I mean, it's horrifically awful. You know, they're, they're, this is the, the Texas formula. Get trounced, go beat up on Rice, make yourself feel better, and forget the fact that you are fundamentally a flawed team. If Tech wants to beat Texas on Saturday, and we're going to get into this here in a minute, but it's going to be on the running backs. And against FIU, they showed how they're going to do it. You're going to have a really, really balanced attack. Every back's going to get touches. White is going to go back to being the the, the change of pace back. Sir Roderick and Brooks are going to really hammer away. Townsend's going to get an occasional blow to spell him because he's got some true explosiveness. You know, you are going to hammer away at teams, and FIU is how you're going to do it. You want to open up the pass? The play-action game's got to be there. We hadn't seen much of our play-action game. Couldn't develop it because the offensive line couldn't hold up. All that came together. And this is the offense we want to see. We haven't dug much into the Tech defense um, from FIU. You know, honest to God, the defense is exactly what we think they are. Um, they're going to get some turnovers. They come down and hit hard. And the linebacker core is really good. So it, it kind of gets repetitive saying the same thing about the defense. That's why we're going to – we're just going to go ahead and move on to, to previewing Texas instead of instead of uh, deep diving. Um into into a defense we basically I, understand at this point, but yeah, can I get a can I get a quick gripe in here? And for me, Tech did play very well. I would implore that we get someone who can return the kicks. Okay, and yeah. I and I wanted and I wanted to bring this up Second. because because it's it's not it's okay. You know, the first game of the year, okay. Second game of the year, okay, you know, we're still kind of getting into it. Three games in a row with a muffed kick of some sort, and it's getting old. I understand that he thought, or whatever he, whatever Adrian Fry said, he thought that it hit one of our guys, or he thought it hit one of their guys in the helmet, or something like that. I've heard about eight different things that he apparently said on the sideline after that happened. We need to find someone who can field these kicks. And I understand Mannix wasn't available for this game for some reason, which for an undisclosed reason, which I don't know what that means, because for some reason this coaching staff is very cryptic about when people miss games and for what it's for. They can't just be like, oh, you know, he bummed his he had a bum ankle, or you know what, he pissed me off in practice, so he didn't get much PT. But uh 
this three games in a row, it's starting to become a, a trend, and it's something that Mark Tomerdahl needs to fix, and it needs to happen yesterday. Yeah, I mean, like I did, I I don't like calling for coaches to be fired, but I'm tech special teams coordinator shouldn't have had a job. I mean, this is three games in a row. That entire unit has been discombobulated every time they've been asked to do anything. The only get reason we're not madder about this is because Garibay has completely stabilized the field goal unit, been consistent. But every return's been a nightmare. A bunch of the kickoffs have been kind of funky. Um, you know, you've you've got good specialists. You've got good legs, but it. We're getting nothing out of the return game. I mean, Michael Crabtree talked about it, being like, I, I wish we'd get a little bit more out of the return game. You know, uh, Adrian Fry dropping the punt is what everybody notices, but it was just kind of a matter of time that these disasters happen. Happening in SFA too. You know, every every kickoff, every punt has looked kind of nightmarish. I'll give Adrian Fry credit. When he did field the punt clean, he was one of the more dangerous return men we've had back there. But the problem is that just we look out of sorts in that unit. And I mean no offense to the many great special teams coordinators in the world who, you know, make, you know, work very hard to get those units together. I don't believe it's that hard just to have competent special teams. And Tech has not had competent return units. So why, what, what are we doing? You know, you're obviously not going to fire an, an assistant coach mid-season, but if if there's anybody, there's a ton of people on the fire wells wagon, or wagon. Put me on the fire special teams coordinator wagon. And I, 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 I if you're going to start, you know, trying to fix something, I would start there with the coaching staff. I, I, I'm tired. It's been this way for like a year and a half, where we've gotten, you know, since the COVID season, we've gotten nothing out of the special teams unit, and they've just caused problems. This year, it's been really, really pathetic. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm just, I'm sick of that. And yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's become, like I said, it's becoming a trend. It's becoming a habit, and it's something that's very, it's a very easy fix. It really is. So, it, I mean, just get someone back there, and you know what? We used to have, or back in the day, there used to be someone who that's all they did. You are on the team to field special teams kicks. You're back there deep on kickoff return, and you're back there deep on punt return. You spend two hours a day fielding punts and fielding kickoffs. This is your job. I'm not opposed to having someone back there, someone small, again, almost like a Jakeem Grant. We were lucky because Jakeem Grant could do all of that. Plus, he was a hell of a receiver. So... That's something that, like, it's was—it's just a super big pet peeve of mine, and it needs to be fixed. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, we're not going to dive super deep in the defense because I think we're all very familiar. But you know, it's good that we're fine. We're we're getting more special teams talk in here. It's bad for the reason why. You know, one of these days, I want to talk about the special teams for a good reason. For the past three games, all I've been able to say is they either almost screwed us over or completely screwed their team over. And that's not what you want to have special teams do. I am going to say this about the defense before I move on to Texas. I want to say this is that this is the one of the harder hitting secretaries, uh, secondaries, excuse me, I've ever seen tech have. Um, you know, we're all well aware of the problems with this defense. They don't cover that well. They don't generate pressure. They're going to struggle. But when it comes to the underneath throws, they hit guys hard. I mean, it it's it's dangerous throwing a screen against this team because Every time it's happened, almost without fail, that guy's gotten popped. They're, they're, they cut, they fly to the ball hard. There's there's some back end talent. You know, I, we're gonna find out how much of this they can get cleaned up. But you know, if, if the if you gave me this defense for the rest of the year, I'm pretty happy with the progress being made in terms of just the willingness to go hit. You know, we've we've had too many soft defenses that have not wanted to tackle. These guys want to go hit and they want to make people hurt. So it, it that's fun. That's what I'll say about the defense. It's we didn't really dive into their performance against a truly overmatched FIU team. It reminds uh, me of the uh, it reminds me of the good old Dwayne Slay days. Yeah, I mean like it's it finally feels like you have a defense wanting to go out there and hit. Um which is great because you're going to be playing a lot of very physical Big 12 football teams starting with Texas. Now it's a smooth transition there. I know I'm getting better at this. Um we're going to talk about Texas on offense first, and the reason why we're going to start on offense is because I think that there's the most intrigue for the Longhorns on offense. You know, the defense has its own woes, but 
we've got a little bit of a controversy in often on in Austin on offense. You have Hudson and um, Thompson, Casey Thompson, Hudson Card, who have both now started a game. Um, you know there is, you know there's a little bit of shakiness here. There's no clear cut starter. Casey Thompson steals this job at the end of the Arkansas game, and he comes out and he starts against Rice. I said this before, and I'll say it again. It feels like this is another in a very long line of something went wrong, so we switched quarterbacks. He goes and trounces the Rice or Rice equivalent they play the next week, and then lo and behold, it turns out he is not actually that good of a quarterback, and they bail on him after another game. For Tech's sake, I hope that's what happened, but you will probably face Casey Thompson for the majority of this game. So, looking at this Texas offense, though, with the exception of Bijan Robinson, who should Tech fear the most, and, or even if you – maybe not even specific players, but what should Tech look out for the most that isn't just turning around handing it off to one of the most talented backs in the country? Well, the first thing they need to fear <laughs> is them turning around and handing it off to B. John Robinson. But since I will – I'll break from that one. They got a couple of good receivers uh, – Josh Moore, he's a transfer from Tennessee. Or I think he's or he's no Josh Moore is not a transfer from Tennessee. But um Josh Moore is he has some explosiveness. Really hasn't been targeted a whole lot. Uh Xavier Worthy had or led against Rice. He had seven catches for 88 yards, 12, 12.6 average and a touchdown. <laughs> um this offense just through the air doesn't wow me. It really doesn't, um, and it's very obvious that they were, are breaking in new quarterbacks, and they're going to be kind of hesitant to just open the playbook in the passing game. They only had, or Casey Thompson was fifteen of eighteen. Yeah, that's pretty good, but you know, you see fifteen completions for one hundred and sixty-four yards you know that most of them are, you know, in that five to eight yard range, maybe even shorter than that. They don't really trust him to throw the ball past the sticks, which is a little worrisome for the tech defense, just because recently they've had a little bit of an issue covering in the, you know, the three to five yard range, three to six yard range there. Uh, I just, they won't open the playbook up deep is what it looks like to me. Um, you have two running backs. Uh, I mean, obviously, Bijan Robinson, and you have Roshan Johnson. Uh, Roshan Johnson had a 72-yard run. Bijan Robinson had a 62-yard run. And for good measure, Keelan Robinson, the third-string guy against Rice, had a 65-yard run. So it's very apparent that these guys are ground-heavy, especially with their issues at quarterback because they have no idea what's happening under center right now. They don't know who to play. Obviously, all the tech, all the UT homers will say, oh, you know, we've wanted Casey Thompson all year, because obviously you have, because you're from UT. You've always wanted the guy that's doing the best. And, uh, you know, you're always right. So we'll go ahead and give you that. But, uh I mean, that's that's their that is their bread and butter. They're going to turn around and hand the ball off. Doesn't matter who's the, who the quarterback is. Doesn't matter who they start. They're only going to let that quarterback. I'd be shocked. I'll say this: I will be shocked if their starting quarterback this Saturday has over twenty-five pass attempts. I will be very shocked if that happens. Which means you're going to have somewhere around 35, 40, 45 rushing attempts on the ground uh, right around there. Uh, last last weekend, I mean, I know it's against Rice, so it's not a very good uh, standard to look at. They had 427 yards on the ground on 41 carries. That's an average of 10.4 yards a carry. Six touchdowns on the ground, two through the air. Again, Three of those are runs of 72, 65, and 62 from three different backs. So you're going to have these guys turn around and hand the ball off. Nothing that they do through the air worries me. If they were smart, they'd try and look through the air because they know that our 
our uh, backs are a little a little shaky on the coverage right now. But to be honest, with the way our defense has been so stout against the ground game this year, this offense really it doesn't keep me up at night. And I know I'll probably die with that. But uh, and you know if if they go and they throw for four hundred yards to the air, then and everyone can come back and listen next week and roast me. But uh, nothing that this offense really does that that this offense does is really unpredictable. Uh, you know they're going to turn around and hand the ball off to Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. Um, maybe even give Jonathan Brooks a couple carries in there. They got about four backs that that they like to spread it out, but obviously your majority of your stuff is going to be for Bijan Robinson. So again, nothing that this offense does is really so far out there that we can't figure out what they're doing. They're going to turn around and hand the ball off, probably try and set up some play action and uh, see what their offensive line can do against our defensive line. So if we keep playing against the run, like we have, I'm not worried at all in the slightest. My thing about Texas, I don't think Arkansas is a top 25 team. You know, I I would be very surprised if Arkansas goes out and just, you know, tears up the SEC West and finishes the year as as a top 25 team. I think Texas got punked by a very, very physical, but not very good Arkansas team. You know, I, I, that's my take on that game. So when I look at the stats from that game, what wows me is Texas gave up three sacks and 10 tackles for loss against Arkansas. Their offensive line was humiliated. Now, I'm going to say this. Tech's defensive line is not all that. You know, I, I think that they are improved from last season, and I expect them to do, you know, some damage every game. And they looked pretty good the you know, the last couple of games when it's mattered most to get in the pocket and enforce pressure. I expect them to have a pretty good game against Texas offense because, you know, part of the reason why I think Texas is one so is, is so one-dimensional is, for one thing, especially against Rice, it was really, really comfortable with a new quarterback. Okay, let's not take any chances. We're just going to hand it off to Robinson, hand it off to the other backs, and let them take care of business. Against Arkansas, Bijan Robinson ran – for 69 yards. He is one of the best backs Texas has maybe ever had. And that sounds like an exaggeration. He is freakishly talented. You know, he is an incredible running back. He is a once in a generation kind of back. He managed 69 yards against offense because they against Arkansas because they could not block. Tech is one of the best run defense teams in the nation. I believe last I saw they were ninth in average rushing yards allowed. It was against inferior competition. I understand that. But what has been demonstrated overwhelmingly is you cannot run at the middle of this defense. They're too big, too fast, too strong. Um, The linebacker course is so deep. And with the secondary really coming down on the edges, it's really hard to run on them. So what's Texas' second option? A quarterback we don't know much about. You know, Casey Thompson has looked the part at times, but it's the typical Texas hype train nonsense I get tired of with them. We've got the Austin American statement tweeting, statesman tweeting out from multiple counts. Casey Thompson looks like the most prepared quarterback ever. What the hell are you talking about? Like that, as a reporter, how could you, honest to God, accept a paycheck and then tweet that? I mean, I understand. The Austin American statement statesman is going to promote Texas. I don't have a problem with that. That's That might be one of the dumbest things I've ever read. Was how, you know, talking about, you know, Casey Thompson prepares like a starter. Everybody does. You know what you do, what, what, what happens whenever anybody you see somebody say that? You know what that means is, is they have nothing else to say about that quarterback. They don't know anything else to say. They don't know, they, they haven't seen enough to say anything else, so they default to, doesn't he prepare well? I mean, it, get, get, I feel really bad for Texas quarterbacks because of shit like that. Because the second this kid starts to struggle, and he will at some point this year, he will. I don't know if it's going to come against Tech. You know, if they if they're forced to throw the ball, it. I think Tech wins this game going away. You know, if they're forced to become a pass happy offense. But regardless, say he has a good game, it will come down the line where he's up against a good secondary and really struggles because their offensive line can't protect. And you know, the second that happens, they turn on these kids. I mean, they, everybody does it to an extent, but nobody is more vicious than Texas fans about this stuff. Um, they, they are the quickest to dump these kids in the trash. Look what they did to guys like Jalen Hearn and Tyron Swoops, you know? 
Now, obviously, Tyrone Suits and Jalen Hurd both were awful quarterbacks. But let's put it this way. The same thing happened after they beat Rice. You know, they beat Notre Dame. They beat Rice. These guys yeah, were coming. Yeah, and think about, just to amplify that, think about uh, Bouchelle and Garrett Gilbert. I mean, damn. Yeah, I mean, these these are... It, it this is a whole aside, but that stuff really frustrates me to see coming out of Austin every year. It just makes me feel bad, and it points to how broken the culture is up there, and one of the reasons why they just can't seem to turn it around. Because, like I said, I don't think Arkansas is very good. I think they got punked by a pretty mediocre team, and they got punked badly. Offensively, if Tech is going to win this game, if they can slow down. Texas rushing attack. You know, I think Bijan's really good. You may give up 150 yards in this game, but if that is all you give up on the ground, I think Texas wins this game and it's not close. You know, I, I, or excuse me, Tech wins this game and it's not close because it's just, I don't think Casey Thompson is going to be able to win them games. Not yet. You know, I think he's talented. I think Hudson Card is pretty talented, but against a really, really physical Tech defense, where you're not going to necessarily, we hope, knock on wood, the trend continues that they really step up to the run. You're not really going to be able to dominate with the rushing attack. Are you going to be able to sit back there, be patient, and pick teams apart? I I don't think so. You know, um, I just don't see it. I don't see it happening. I think Tech has an advantage on this side of the ball because the thing that Texas does best is turn around, hand it off to a great back, and they've already been stopped doing that against an Arkansas defense that, I think Tech has a better linebacker core then. I think Tech is one of the better run-stopping units in the country. Now, the trick to that is, is obviously, if you can get over the top, you can get over the top. I mean, we will give up a bajillion yards through the air, but you are going to really struggle to attack the middle of this defense, and that's what Texas is going to try to do a lot. Um, we're going to move on talking about Texas' defense. We're going to look at the opposite matchup. When I look at Texas, I see a very much a mirror of how you know, uh, 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 tech has gone for a lot of, in a lot of ways. You know, they, they, they had a really great game. It looked like a coming out party. Then they laid an egg and then they came out and they took care of business. But defensively, you when you look at Texas, they gave up a whole bunch of yards to Arkansas. They shut down UL and then rice isn't even worth mentioning, but they massacred rice. How do you evaluate the Texas defense? Do you think tech is going to have, some trouble and how should tech try to attack what Texas does back on the defensive end? You know, I think that the UT defense has its bright spots. Um, again, none of it really wows me. This, this team overall just really doesn't. And I really, Typically, I'd say, you know, the disrespect is meant. But there's really no disrespect respect meant. Um, the team, it just doesn't wow me in any, in any, sort, of, in any sort of way. Uh, I mean, the, the defense is, it's just kind of eh. It's kind of blah. Me, it's not mediocre, but it, it doesn't just stand there and wow you. I mean, you have... Uh, Brockermeyer and uh, Overshone. And that's kind of it. Uh, you, you know, Tavondre Sweat, maybe. Uh, BJ Foster, maybe. I don't even... I didn't see BJ Foster on the stat sheet for the Rice game, so some, he might be hurt. But, uh, you know, you have... I mean, you have these guys, and they just don't really... They don't really pop. They don't. I mean, Overshone has been at Texas for at least a year, possibly two, and and he's been pretty. Uh, he's been pretty, you know, consistent over time. He's a, he's a good player, and he'll and he'll be a solid draft pick. I I probably see him going, you know, second or third round at least. Uh, you know, and if he all of a sudden decides to ball out this conference schedule, I, I could see Overshone going in the first round, maybe maybe late first round, or kind of like we saw Jordan Brooks from Tech a couple years ago. But the the defense overall, it just doesn't jump out at me. It's it's a lot of guys kind of doing their thing, kind of doing what they're known for and what they're going to do and everything. But it's there's nothing that really just jumps out at me, you know, like – in defenses that UT has had from the past being like, Oh, well, don't try and run it against these guys. Or, uh, 
you know, don't try and pass it against these guys because they're going to pick everything or they're they're on your guys like a blanket, you know. I just don't see that from this from this team. Um, you know, they've had I'm guessing one pick, maybe two, or they've had a they had a couple against ULL, but they only had one against Arkansas. They didn't have any against Rice, uh, so it's a little it's a little strange. And there's just not anyone that's there. I mean, other than Overshone and Brockermeyer, really, no one's really just like standing up and step or like showing out. So again, I think they're kind of wondering, you know, where is our production coming from on defense? If if Texas Tech can keep a keep a track on Overshone and you know keep him where he needs to be and you know, they keep a handle on Brockermeyer and if BJ Foster's playing and Devondre Sweat, Sean Jamison, maybe even. I just I don't really see anything other than, you know, two or three guys that really I can say, oh, you know, that's he's a pretty stout D D man. Like I just don't see it. And that's just seems to be the the theme with this team. And I understand that it's Sark's first year and whatever, and you know, no one no one picked them to win a national championship and whatever, but this team is just kind of that'll do. That's seems to me like the kind of mentality around this team, you know, that'll do like, you know, they'll plug the hole for now and, you know, let's start get his recruits in, in a couple of years and we'll see how it goes. That's just, it just kind of seems just kind of bleak and just middle of the road to me. What so we're we're round we're coming to the end here. I'll probably close this out, and I want to leave a little bit of time to drop Kendall's blurbin, and I'm hoping to get his feedback on both the FIU game and the Texas game. He's having some weather issues, so that'll be a technology permitting thing. But either way, I'll, I'll what I look at when I see when I look at Texas is you know how did you do against teams? who are going to attack like Tech does. Now, Texas hasn't really played anybody who's going to attack like Tech does, but you look at the re- the ground game, which I think is going to set up Tech's offense the entire year. Uh, offensive line turning the corner or not, Tech has to be able to run the ball in order to give themselves a chance in the play-action game. Um, when they ran the ball effectively, has been the best drives and the best outcomes other than just like your deep ball to X receiver, most of them named as Ukama. But Texas plays Arkansas, which is probably the most run heavy team in the country. And it was like water passing through a hole in a dam. I mean they couldn't they couldn't plug it to save their lives. 333 yards on the ground. I, I'm gonna keep coming back to that stat. It's it's insane. You know, like that think about it this way. Tyler Shuck has played three games at Texas Tech. Cumulatively during those games, he's only thrown over 300 yards once. We are technically speaking an air raid team. He hasn't managed over 300 yards through the air more than one time. You know, that's alarming for us, but that should point to just, you know, for anybody trying to grasp, you know, 333 yards of total offense wouldn't sound like much. 333 yards on the ground is ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's, the last time Texas played Arkansas in that Texas Bowl, the borderline erotic comment, that was a similar kind of beatdown. You know, this this game was as one-sided as it possibly could be until basically garbage time. And the reason why is Texas fundamentally could not stop Arkansas on the ground. What does that mean for Tech? You know, Overshawn's a great player. He's, he's a guy that I think is going to go very high in the NFL draft. I don't know anybody else on that Texas defense. I, I'm going to be honest here. I, I just... They, none of them have stood out enough that I know them and call it Homer bias or whatever, but I look at them and I'm just not afraid of this defense. You know, I think, I think tech's going to line up and run down Texas's throat. And, you know, there, there is a certain arrogance to that statement for me, considering tech struggle with an SFA team. But um, when you're playing a team as arrogant as Texas, I think you got to give it a little bit back. And part of that means is that the offensive line needs to make it their personal mission to stomp a mud hole in a not very good Texas defense. You know, when I when I look at Texas, the thing that flashes in my mind is this was Tech, you know, last year. You know, you're breaking in 
you're, you're struggling to find an answer at quarterback. You've got some good running backs and a defense that couldn't stop anything most of the time. You know, it, it, it is a very similar feel. Now, last year's Tech defense made some key stops the offense couldn't make up. I think this year's Texas team's going to have that same problem. You know, when the defense does make stops, I don't think they have the offensive production to go get go make big plays in critical moments. You know, because there's the thing. They beat up on UL. Everyone says, you know, that Texas looks great, et cetera, et cetera. You know, based on how ULs look so far, got to start to wonder if that was a one-year wonder. I don't think Arkansas is going to be all that. I, I, I can talk myself into Texas dominating Tech. I can do that. On paper, they are far more talented. You know, they, they they should win this game every year because of how Tech recruits, because of the just sheer advantages Tech uh, Texas has over Tech. But when the, the more I look at Texas, the more I come to the conclusion, the things that they do well line up very, very well for Tech. They're, they're, they're going to be a run-happy team. I, I like that matchup for Tech. The things they don't do well match up very well for Tech. They don't stop the run. And they're overall not great defensively. You know, they're not going to wow you defensively. But in particular, they they have a fundamental inability to stop the run. That lines up really, really well for Tech. Um, so if you're asking me, and we'll, I'll give you the same question. I'm going to give my prediction for this game. I originally was looking at this and said 38-35. Kind of a close game. If Tech blocks, now a lot of this is going to live and die with the offensive line. You know, one of the reasons I haven't really talked about it is because I'm just like, you know, praying that they've turned the corner. But assuming that Tech can overcome some of the stupid stuff that has happened at the start of games, the last three games, and they come out and they play just a well-rounded football game, I think Tech has the potential to win this by two scores. Um, I, I think Tech has the potential to secure a comfortable win in Austin. Because the easiest way to win road games is to just ground teams down. And Tech has the running backs and the offensive line has run blocked well all year to do that. I think Texas is the perfect team to test the new offense because you're going to set up the pass with the run. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to up my prediction a little. I'm going to give kind of a wild one. It's not going to be a very high scoring game. So here, here's where I'm at. I'm going to say Tech wins this game 30 to 17. I'm going to put that on the line right now. That would be an unbelievably wild outcome to hold Texas under 20. You know, Tech hasn't given up many points to bad teams. Texas is obviously the best offense they're playing, but I just, I like this matchup the more I look at it. And, you know, people are like, well, you're too negative about Tech. You know, like I'm, I'm one of the more positive Tech fans you can ever meet. And if you, if I hope people listen to the podcast, come to that realization, because uh, I'm going to keep making predictions like this. Um, and I've been wrong a lot. But, you know, I'm feeling good about this one, and I'm, I'm ready to be wrong and get old. Once again, I'm an easy target for all takes exposed, but I, I really, I think the more I've looked at this, I can, I, I've just talked myself into this not being a game Tech loses, and I think a game Tech can really take control of early and often. So, Jack, where, where do you fall? What's your prediction for this game? So, we do uh, pick them every week on Viva, and right now I'm in the basement. Not, I didn't get off to a hot start. Uh, I went one and four the first week, and I'm back up to four and six now, I believe, but still in last place. Uh, when I picked this game earlier in the week, I picked UT, and I I picked it to be a close game. I didn't think Tech could overcome the slow starts, and I I still think no matter how good you play on defense i still think Bijan robinson probably has over 100 yards on the ground for this game however i can't see them giving up just that many yards to Bijan robinson there's too much depth there's too much depth at the linebacking core and there's really there's depth in the in the safeties too i have switched my pick I will I will take the Red Raiders in this one. I was also going to go with a similar score. I was going to go with 31-17, but for the sake of uh for the sake of difference here, I'll go 31-24 Texas Tech. I think Tyler Shuck has 
kind of his signature coming out game for Tech, not saying that he played bad against FIU because he didn't. Uh, I think this is his kind of signature coming out party. I think that, you know, he's the bright spot for this offense. And I think the play action plays really well against this defense. I think this defense is very, this Texas defense is very, I want to stop the run. And even though they like to think they can stop the run, but they really can't. So I think Tech pounds the ball hard early and often. And it sets up the play action for those big tight ends. And we just go to town. I think possibly 31-24. I might even stretch it to... Shit, I'll stretch it. I'll I'll go even wilder. I'll go 37-24 Red Raiders in Austin. Uh, again, we're probably going to get old takes exposed if something goes massively wrong. Tech, I'm pleading with you. I'm pleading with Matt Wells and the staff. I'm pleading with this with this team. Please get a hot start out of the gate so we can figure this out. I will remind everybody, we all predict big wins for Tech in Houston. And nobody looked into how it happened, but Tech did win that game by three scores. So if you're asking, is the podcast pretty good at predicting outcomes? When we've given firm predictions, yeah, we're 1-0. So hopefully we're going to be 2-0 after this week. I'm going to try to get Kendall on the horn to get his prediction and breakdown of this game. Um, I'll say it now, and I'll say it again. I'll say it now, and I'll say it later. I grew up rooting for Texas. You know, I can never hate Texas as much as the average Tech fan can. But one of the things that has really been fun over the last, you know, three, four years of sports is how much more I've found to hate them the more I've interacted with them. So if this is going to be a, just another long line of procession of where I, I just I think I can learn to hate Texas more. So that's kind of fun for me. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this breakdown and this, the, the recap and preview. We're going to try to come at you guys quickly after the texas game i'm hoping to go i can go live this game we can talk about it in real time you know we're calling a big w let's see if tech can get it done jack mentioned hot starts offensive line blocking run the ball and i'm, I'm liking the outcome and so is jack so wreck them and stay tuned for uh uh what should hopefully be the biggest win of the matt wells era i think uh tech came out against fiu and showed a lot of improvement and a lot of different areas this past week and especially on the offensive end I felt like the past game was just absolutely phenomenal Tyler Shuck going for a lot of career highs in a lot of different categories and it was really nice to see we've talked about the past couple weeks uh it was really really nice to see another receiver step up actually multiple other receivers for tech it was really worrisome for me uh who that was going to be, but we got Kalen Geiger and uh, Travis Kuntz, and those two were just huge. And if we can get that consistently out of them, along with Eric Azukama, along with Sir Roderick Thompson, along with Taj Brooks and Xavier White, this team has so much potential. And I really feel that this team took a really, really big step forward this week and a lot can be said about Matt Wells but the way he got his team to respond this past week was just phenomenal you know there was a lot of critics myself included that SFA game was terrible but the team was able to put that behind them move forward and improve on both sides of the ball and that just shows great growth for me because even last year when we played uh, HBU, that was awful and it seemed like the team just never recovered from it. It just felt like that was lingering all year. But now after this past game against FIU, I have a completely different confidence in this team because they just looked great outside of maybe the beginning. And it was really nice to see our pass game get going because the first two games, we really had to lean a lot on the run game. And now you can see that kind of mix a little bit, and it really showed what the offense could do. And I don't even think that, you know, they played at their best. I, I think it took him – they still had a slow start. And that's that's scary to me because if we get going early, I don't – 
I don't see why we wouldn't be in just about every game because the Big 12 has not shown me that much so far. You know, if Nebraska is competing with Oklahoma and Norman, it makes me feel a whole lot better about what Tech can do. And, you know, I feel like the conference is so wide open right now. And I definitely think that this team has a great opportunity now starting at Texas. And, you know, this UT game is obviously huge. But I just want to say, Texas is going to have a target on its back all season, but we get to throw the first punch. You know, if this is their last season in the Big 12, we get to make a statement first. And I think this is a huge game for Matt Wells. And because if we go out and win this conference opener, we win at Texas, we start to get some national attention, some national buzz. And with that national buzz comes more fan support, comes just a lot of things that the program has been lacking recently. And it gives us just some hope for this program. And this Texas game is one of the bigger ones, in my opinion. Because a 1-0 conference start, a win over one of your tougher games of the season in the Big 12. And that's right at the beginning. And in my opinion, starting out 4-0 means you're as close to guaranteed to a bowl game, in my opinion. And that's a huge step for Coach Wells. And continuing on that, you know, Texas, they are a solid team. But obviously this new coaching staff with Sark and a lot of questions on both sides of the ball for them after that game against uh, Arkansas. But they came at against Rice and beat them soundly. But... It, to me, it's just a matter of quarterback play for them because everyone knows what Bijan brings. And uh, he it, he's a guy that you're probably not going to stop. You can slow him down, but you're not going to stop him. But what it really comes down to is can we get pressure? Because no matter who's in at quarterback, Thompson or Card, if we can get pressure and make them beat us, Tech is going to have a phenomenal shot to win this game on the road in Austin. And I think it starts with the defense. Offensively, obviously, we need to run the ball. We need to we need Shuck to be on his game. And we need our receivers to step up again. But to me, what it comes down to is can Tech get to the young quarterback? If, whether it's Card or Thompson, can they get in that backfield? And I ultimately think if we can, I think Tech wins the game.